Sweet taste. Yeah. Easy nice. scoop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> What's up guys, uh, my name is Sean, I'm here with another episode and I'm joined with Adam, Eddie and Simon. Um, they're all registered physiotherapists, sports physiotherapists. Uh, I'm really excited to do this episode, um, but before we start, I think you guys have seen the episode before, we started to do a shot, shall we start? Choose your poison, Sean. I'm going I'm to go with vodka. So. My sponsor, Exo Cafeterone, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to them, I'll be doing one of these. There we go. Quite big, these ones. Cheers, thanks for having Cheers. me. Cheers. Yeah. Eddie's got the third last bottle of Exo Cafe Patrol in Hong Kong, so. <laughs> mm. Sweet taste. Yeah, easy nice. scoop. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the smell has bad memories for me. It reminds me of those um, coffee quality street. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. They first in my house. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to get straight into it, guys. Um, I think my first memory of going to physiotherapy was I think I think I had something wrong with my wrist, and they were doing like a little bit of ultrasound and some sort of like I don't know what it was, some electrotherapy. As I grew older and got more injuries, <laughs> I realized that like that kind of therapy changed, and um, I think being under your treatment, Adam. Uh, you've kind of pushed me to do a lot more movement-based stuff when I have an injury. What, why, why is that? What's the reasoning behind like doing more movement these days? Yeah, so it's really just based in science. So the scientific research now is really strong that we should be moving away from those modalities, as we call them. So we used to use, many years ago, electrotherapy, ice, think interferential heat guns, lasers, all that weird and wonderful stuff. Um, and we used to use it a lot, but then even I've been qualified like 12 years, even when I was coming through, that was starting to change. And so we just know that from the research that when you try and treat someone's wrist with a laser or an ultrasound or whatever those machines are, that actually it doesn't really heal. Um, it doesn't really help. There are really specific circumstances where it does help, but what you find is actually people just use it really generally across, oh, your wrist hurt. Whether it's a day old injury or a year old, they just use the same thing. And that's not really what the science is. The science is all about you know building up your robustness in your tissues, making your body stronger, you know by giving your uh, your wrist or your brain in in this case a certain stress, then it'll adapt. So you become more tolerant of pain, your tissues become stronger, your bones become stronger. That helps to support each other, and that gives you just a much better outcome. So mm -hmm. the, that's why the whole profession has really massively shifted from machine focused in like the 80s, 90s, and then especially like in the 2010s onwards, it's just an enormous research base around the, the importance of strength, mobility, exercise, encouraging your patients to stay active. You know, if you can't do push-ups because your wrist hurt, find something you can do, encourage them to do that. That gets some good stress through your wrist, that helps it heal, the client feels better, the client remains active, mm. which obviously fights off other issues. And so, yeah, the research is just a landslide towards being active, being strong, um, and trying to do as much as you can with some guidance, obviously, from your physio. Yeah. I think also, actually, I read recently an article or um, is it Rebuilding Milo, you know that book that came out yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, by Aaron Horsick? He, he talked about how um, there's so many players I know that play with who still uh, use ice therapy, but apparently it stunts the, the healing process, if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. because I, I mean, I use ice just as an anesthetic, yeah. in the sense that yeah. just for pain, and then if the pain has gone away, I don't really ice it anymore. 
So I'm assuming that's like, yeah, that's kind of what the research showed. Back in the day, we thought ice would help swelling and improve recovery, but then actually, what they realised it actually only helps with pain relief. Mm. Okay. So they kind of moved away from that from when, that, when that research came out. So yeah. is inflammation a good thing? Is it supposed to happen as yeah, part of so your healing process? It's the first mm. start of your. It's the first stage of your healing process. Yeah. So yeah, that's why they're keen for you to um, to try and not use the ice. So for swelling, compression and elevation is by far the most effective. Um, like you say, ice feels nice and helps the pain settle, so that that is good. But you still want to hammer it because a little bit of inflammation is actually really helpful to kickstart the healing. Mm. Yeah, I guess if you think about it, your uh, inflammatory process is this amazing thing that your body has evolved over millions of years, and you want to try and encourage that to kick in as much as possible rather than maybe doing something which is going to interfere or hold it back um, so yeah I think what the guys are saying is like ice is great because it kind of numbs the pain a bit but in terms of actually like alleviating swelling I don't really think it's as effective as no. people maybe make it out to be yeah it just feels nice because of that numbing effect okay yeah inside you mentioned a good point there with um, how it it's changing over time and there's trends of research and as research develops they look into uh, things more uh, in-depthly and there's an interesting case study where a patient actually had 30 years of physio and they had um, wow. 10 years <laughs> 10 years of having manual, manual therapy and the first type you were talking about and then it moved on to movement and mm -hmm. then they did 10 years of like movement based therapy and then actually the new trend was about pain science and uh, neuro, neuro, uh, neuroscience and looking into pain mechanisms. And then they had a lot of pain education and pain reassurance. And then actually what it was is that this person had been passed from physio to physio through different trends, but actually their, their problem was a vascular nature and they didn't need physio. <laughs> wow. So that's really interesting. So our role as a clinician is to pick up things that we can help with, but know our scope of practice, know when things are not musculoskeletal related, sports related and actually refer on to uh, the right health practitioner. Yeah. You can, there's, I mean, there'll be another trend at some point that physio will really get involved in and you know, who, who knows what that will be. But yeah. Yeah. Whether it's yeah. relevant to us or not. Yeah. Mm. Like, yeah, I find it pretty incredible how, I mean, you can, you can literally, like, I mean, I, I've been in pain with my knee before um, and you've shown me one type of movement and there's like no pain at all. Obviously, you have to do be diligent with the rehab process yeah. itself, but um, I think people need to realize a little bit more that like there are movement-based exercises. Uh, if you're if you are diligent with it, you can recover without it without mm -hmm. without being invasive. And there's so many people. Uh, I made a post about it about going into surgery. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on? On, on that and like telling clients maybe staying away from surgery like when is the point of contact where you think a there should be surgery should be um, number one because it's a trauma a trauma injury a bad one or b you're an athlete and you have to return to injury as fast as you can so between those two would you say like that's the time that you should do surgery or should it be based like what, what would you say I'd say it's <coughs> complicated it's injury specific so we know that for someone like yourself you know you were young you tore your ACL playing football you really wanted to go back to play football you're a trainer so you're fit and active your whole life you want to get it fixed you're a great candidate for having that kind of surgery um, nowadays there is a lot more research to prove that 
uh, so even for like ACLs, that if you actually manage the ACL well, and say your goal was, I just want to train two or three times a week and go for hikes at the weekend, which is what a ton of people in this city do, then actually you probably don't need your ACL. But because you wanted to go back to a competitive level of football, you know, trying to push for the premiership team and things like that, then you're, again, you could maybe have tried going conservative, but you're a pretty good candidate for going for the mm -hmm. surgical management. Um, so from that point of view, it's all about what the client wants to get back to. Realistically, what are their levels of exercise? If you speak to anyone who's hurt themselves, they always want to come back and run a marathon. And then you're like, okay, cool. How many marathons do you run? Oh, I don't like running. And you're like, it's probably unrealistic you're going to run a marathon after you've torn your ACL, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, and so it's always about trying to understand what the time frames people have. Like if you're like, I can play football in two years, I'm willing to give it a crack for four to six months of conservative management of my ACL injury, and then I can always have it done in six months and see what happens. Um, then again, you could justify that fully because the research shows that tons of people feel asymptomatic and also feel really strong and confident on a non-operated leg. Um, whereas for some people, if you have true instability, so we call them like, again, I use you as an example, but, but like you either split into people who can cope without that ACL and people that can't. Mm -hmm. So even with the best physio in the world and you're the most diligent patient in the world, there comes a point where you're like, yes, I have no swelling, full movement, but my knee just feels really loose. It feels very unstable. You can feel the bones sliding around inside your leg. That's hugely disconcerting. And actually also we know that that makes people um, a bit more prone to kind of meniscal injuries and other such problems. So you're probably, uh, well, you are a good candidate for surgery then. So that's why the, the, the conversation around, Sean, what do you want to do? How long have you got? What do you want to get back to? Where were you at before, realistically as well, all comes together with the research around that specific injury. So for you an ACL, but for some people a shoulder dislocation, for some people, you know, tibia fracture, and then trying to put it all together. But yeah, like Eddie was saying, with the scope of practice, it's about understanding your limits and knowing when to pull the plug on someone and say, actually, this is not going as well as I think it should. Therefore, I feel you should go and see a surgeon. Yeah. And that's okay. really hard when you're a newbie physio. Or, um, yeah, I just think you need to have a little bit of humility, but also a lot of experience to be quite clear about that. Set the yeah. expectations with the client at the beginning. By three months, if you're not feeling this, we need to bin it. As long as I'm good and you're being good and okay. we're doing it properly. Yeah, interesting. Because you meet a variety of people. <coughs> They're at different stages of... Um, life and what they want to do but also different uh, stages of understanding about healthcare okay yeah some people might come in with a strong belief that they need the surgery so you're going to have a really interesting conversation exploring their beliefs about it and mm. providing them the research out there and coming to a decision between the two of you involving them in the process mm. whereas someone is maybe really adamant on doesn't want surgery so we're going to take these considerations in right like we always involve the patients in that decision making and using the knowledge of the research to yeah, have a, a good discussion particularly yeah. yeah I also feel like and these guys will definitely agree in Hong Kong people seem to like surgery seem to be rolled out a lot more frequently than we're certainly used to yeah. back home I remember when I first started working here like three years ago I had a, a patient she was in her 40s and she had both her knees replaced which Really, really rare. rare. Yeah. Unless you've had a bad car accident or something, it's that's extremely rare. Or you've had some issue you've been born with that means you're. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as I'm aware, she was getting a bit of pain in her kneecap 
going downstairs. And so and she got it replaced? Whoever she saw did an x-ray and thought, I can get this better for you by replacing both your knees. So that's I'm quite scary. That scares me a lot. Jeez, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like that wouldn't happen in the UK. And actually, in the UK <laughs> at the moment, they and in Australia, they're they're with certain issues. You actually, as a doctor, have to document how many surgeries you're doing, and if they feel you're doing more than the research guides you to do, because they say seventy percent mm. of knee pains don't need surgery. Therefore, if you're seeing a hundred people and you've given ninety surgeries, yeah. then actually you're at threat of losing your license. Interesting. Yeah. So they in the UK they they're docking you your medical registration and black marking your name and all those things, keeping an eye on you because you're over. <laughs> surgerying people yeah. you're operating too much it's like hostile or sore yeah exactly yeah 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 it's like come on in. <laughs> that's why they all drive bentley's no joke <laughs> but, um, but yeah so surgery definitely has a place but here yeah. you also see here like ne i never see back home oh the mri bag you just everyone's just walking around with a bag it's like, like wh wh the, you know the big like medical uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, mri <laughs> x-ray reports yeah. you're like oh it feels funny and they're like cool 10 grand mri let's go yeah. and it's like Let's see so many people on the street yeah, with an MRI yeah. bag, and it's like, why? Irad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know who Irad are. <laughs> but yeah, so that's great the, advertising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's so good. And like, again, if you're back in the UK, you just, or if you're in Oz, you just wouldn't do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like you've got a take home bag from the doctors. But um, so yeah, it's that's just a very different environment here from a healthcare point of view than back home for us, which is the UK. So would you say like the standard of uh, physiotherapy here is a little bit like I know obviously I'm talking from a sporting background, say for football, the standard isn't that great compared to Europe and the UK and stuff like that, or even in the US. Would you say physiotherapy is still at a, a lower level here? That's why you've got like a lot of like imports like you guys that come here because you have more experience from from I guess people coming in and trauma injuries and whatnot. Is that what it is or? Is, am I? Mm. I'm saying that. Sorry, <clears throat> say the question again. So, what do you think like the level of physiotherapy is here compared to Europe and the U.S. and Australia and South South Africa? I think <clears throat> people just do things differently in, in different parts of the world. I would say the American and the British and the Australian way of doing physio. Um, is very different to what's going on here in, in Hong Kong and I'm not too sure about other parts of Asia but I know us guys and our colleagues here at Joint Dynamics there's a lot of emphasis on what you were saying earlier about like movement based rehab uh, scientific evidence based rehab whereas when I come here and I have patients who've been like yeah I used to see this this local physio or this physio and chatin or whatever and they just kind of attached me to a machine for one hour and poked me with this thing for an hour it's like it's not to say that that's a different level it's just a different way of doing things and for that person who i just mentioned it wasn't really what they were hoping to get from physio whereas other people may come and see us and be like I went to see the physio and he just made me do exercises for an hour. Where was my ultrasound? <laughs> That's what I'm coming for. Yeah, yeah. That's what I expect. Yeah. You know, you were talking, sorry to ramble on, but you were talking earlier about like these modalities. I remember being a new grad physio working in London and I had this old guy with an Achilles tendon problem 
And there was me, fresh faced, bushy tail, trying to do everything by the book, be the world's best physio, do everything science based. And he was like, I had this pain a few years ago. The physio just ultrasounded it and it got better. And I was like, well, mate, I hate to break it to you, but we've moved on from those days. You're going to do calf raises for days. Came back two weeks later. Still no better. I really want you to ultrasound it. I was like, well, mate, don't give up yet. <laughs> two weeks later, he comes back. He's like, mate, it's no better. And I'm like, right, let me go get the ultrasound machine. It's what he wants. I'm finally giving in. So I went and got this machine out. I had to... Chris Hall, and I was like, Chris, where's the ultrasound machine? He's like, I don't even know if we have one. Like, I need it, I promised him. So I dug in this cupboard, found this dusty old ultrasound machine, plugged it in, pressed the button, beep, it wasn't even working. But this guy was like wagging his Achilles. Like, He's been waiting a month for this, and I was like, I'm gonna have to do this. Stuck the gel on and just, Pretended to ultrasound his Achilles <laughs> for 10 minutes. And then I was like, oh, the machine's, uh, that's time up now. How does it feel? And he goes, wow, that feels so much better. And he sprung out. <laughs> so it's not to say that, you know, there's different levels. It's just different ways of doing things. And in my opinion, there's no right or wrong. It's about what works for a true person. <laughs> I, I remember actually when, uh, it was so funny, um, I think it was one and a half or two weeks post-operation for my surgery, and I was I remember lying on this table, and I remember you saying, Adam, like, can you take pain? I was like, yeah, my pain tolerance is pretty good. And, like, you took my knee, you bend it, and I'm like, fuck's sake, this is so painful. But I needed that, I needed that, because I would have never done it on my yeah, own. Yeah, yeah. Um, my ex-girlfriend, she had uh, knee surgery, and I think it was during COVID time, and the surgeon uh, uh, did her surgery and then just sent her back home with no advice, nothing. And, and like, she, she texted me saying, hey, Sean, like, like, I'm not really having, I don't have any flexion in my knee anymore, blah, blah, blah. I was like, dude, you had, like, no guidance from the physio at all or, yeah. or like, any guidance at all. And then she had to do her surgery again. And so she was, like, lagged back. Yeah. Um, and I remember her telling me, she's like, I'm, I'm not really getting much out of this physio. He's just doing ultrasound and massage and... I'm just being pl I'm plateauing. Yeah. So in, in, in my case from experience, like I needed that. I needed to be pushed and go through that pain barrier for it to happen. Obviously with the guidance of, you know, you, you telling like it's not gonna tear. Yeah. In my head, I, I thought it was gonna tear, but I didn't yeah. know anything. So I think it's the, the education around pushing <clears throat> people is by far probably our biggest gift that we give clients is the time taken to explain, so Sean, I'm gonna bend your knee, you are a bit soft. So that's fine. <laughs> so it's going to hurt you, um, even though you've got a high pain threshold. Um, but yeah, like just saying, you know, to bend your knee doesn't stress your ACL. Your ACL is stressed in these positions, therefore you're fine. And you know, you just spend time educating you um, and explaining to you why it's not going to hurt you and why it's not going to bother you. But it will be sore because of this, that and the other. And so once you understand what I'm doing, why and what you're expecting to feel, then you kind of relax obviously the first time you're still shitting in because your knee is the size of a house you know you're scared you're worried it doesn't like bending because it's painful and i bend it and you're like holy shit i don't want to do this but when you do it five six ten twenty times you relax a bit more you stop relaxing so you stop guarding with your muscles and then you can slowly get a little bit more motion and so if i never told you what i was doing how it's going to feel what it's going to do to the acl all those things you would have just locked your leg and just like gritted your teeth and you would have fought me. 
Um, and so again, that education is massively mm. important. And that, that carries across anything we do. The ability to educate your client on you know, what, when, why it's you know, um, hurting, how we're gonna get you better, how long it's gonna take, there will be ups and downs, but we'll get you there, da -da 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 -da. Yeah. Whatever the education component in it, it's massive. Because as everybody knows, if you're in pain, everybody is worried. Like, I tell people all day, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, because I understand it. Yet when I'm in pain, I'm like, all yeah. is bad. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's human nature. Human it's nature. hard not to do that. When Simon hurt his hamstring, when, you know, when Eddie, he's too fit, he doesn't hurt himself. <laughs> I'm old, so I hurt myself a lot. But like, do you know what I mean? Like, we, even when we have it, we're like, oh, I don't know, this might be different yeah. to what I've told the last 54,000 yeah. people I've seen for this problem. It's different because yeah. it's me, and your head just runs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so you so need true. someone just to be like, you're gonna be okay, mate. Yeah. Don't be soft like Sean. You're gonna be okay. Yeah. And it's the demonstration as well, and like the practice over time of demonstrating that they can do it, and then they, but the response afterwards, oh, there's no bad response afterwards. Okay, then immediately they realise, oh, it's safe right. to do. Mm -hmm. And so with, you're talking about the wrist right at the start. If you just had ultrasound, you know we. The oh, what yeah, what we could do is you know, is actually take you in the gym, do movement, and prove to you that it is safe. Right. So we can do exercise in the gym and get you putting weight through the wrist again, and you can see in that in the demonstration that it's safe to do, mm. and that's a reassurance as well. So we can give the verbal communication, but then the actual yeah. physical demonstration out in the gym using it is a massive reassurance as well. So that in combination is huge. Yeah. And then you know it's good to go and then you can once you practice on your own then you're confident to do it at home or in your own gym setting so yeah absolutely that's you if you hear it and then you like with you remember the last time you came and we just did a couple of things and you like why is it feeling so much better yeah. and that's partly because we explain it and you understand partly because i know what i'm doing and then partly also because you're um because like we're giving your nervous system really good stimulus that it enjoys like your nervous system loves to be proven um, correct. So like, if you do lots of successful repetitions of exercise, your nervous system loves it and it mm. adapts. If you do loads of reps of exercise that really hurt, the nervous system hates it and it kind of, uh, you know, becomes okay. more and more painful. Yeah. You can, so that's, yeah, that's yeah, you can how you like, um, like if you got burgled, you might put an alarm system in and you get burgled again, you put another CCTV camera in and then you put another, you get burgled again, you put another, um, like a laser in. And then what you have is so much sense on that area, mm. and all it takes is for the cat to walk past to set off the alarm. And so what you're yeah. doing is over repetition and reassurance is just turning off some of these CCTV cameras and sensors mm. and reassuring the body that actually you're okay. Yeah. And so you're winding down that nervous system response. Yeah, and also like what Adam was saying earlier about like when you're in pain you kind of jump to conclusions and start freaking out like um yeah as eddie's talking about with this alarm system like yeah sure the laser or the cctv will go off if someone tries to break in again but more often than not it goes off when the cat's on the driveway or mm. it's a gust of wind and i think part of our job is you know yes don't get me wrong someone comes in with neck pain there is a chance it could be something horrendous but 99.99% mm. of the time it's usually okay. something quite common or inconspicuous and although to them it might feel like the end of the world and there's something bulging or pressing or about to fall out of their neck 
it's like reassuring yeah. them that that's not the case yeah and then it goes on to sort of what's the context of the situation because they may have an event coming up in two weeks and then the pain feels even worse than it is because you know if you hurt you've just your ankle or um, you've got a big race in two weeks okay. and suddenly yeah. you've got this pressure um to get it fixed as soon as possible and, oh and i can't do that or it might be meaningful like lifting up a kid and yeah. you can't do it or I think one example is that if you're a violinist and you hurt your foot, it doesn't matter too much. But if you hurt your hand, okay. that's significant because yeah. then that's also your uh, your financial stability, mm -hmm. your you know your work. Um, so these are things we're taking into consideration, like learning about the person. Why is it meaningful to them? Why is it important to them? What how it, how does it affect their life in other areas, not just physically, but yeah financially or relationships and things like that. And all those things have a massive knock-on effect on how they present to you but also how they recover. Um, if you understand all those things that he's talking about and you help to like conquer them, those fears with them through the education, proving both physically but also verbally to them that they can do all these things and all that then they start to be like, oh okay cool. So I'll be able to play the concert in two weeks, that means I'll have some money, that means my, my, you know, my husband won't kick off at me, whatever, whatever it's going to be, it just kind of, you start to just chill out a bit, and then your nervous system calms down, and then even just by sitting and talking to people, they come in like they can barely move, you have a half an hour chat with them, they get up to lie on the bed, and they're like, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah, because yeah, you haven't even touched them, you haven't even assessed them, all you've done is talk to them, so and cool. they already move so much freer, That's because so cool. they just, they haven't got that kind of worry, they're just worried, you chat through with them and they just like saunter around and you're like, you look so much better already. And they're like, oh yeah, I feel better actually. That's, that's so good. Cool. And you're like, that's amazing. Look how amazing your body is. Trust your body. We will help you. Don't worry. And they're like, oh, okay, great, 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 great. That's so a, even you can talk people better to a degree. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's, it's almost like sometimes people, when they get like a normal massage, they feel really good. But yeah. sometimes the massage, they feel so tight. Because yeah. it must have spiked their nervous system that maybe it's too hard. Yeah. They're like, oh fuck, I'm, I'm yeah. Know, super tight shoulder. Well, they just don't like that particular type of yeah. massage. It could be they are the <coughs> best Thai massage, but if you don't like Thai massage, you're going to find it shit. Mm. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're like, oh, I just, what are they doing? Like, oh, I don't like it. Get off me. What are you doing? And you just want to have like someone swimming on your back. That's what you like. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what you like. You just like the breaststroke on the back. It's a nice aerobotherapy. You're like, yeah. That's what you like, isn't it? Hey. <laughs> Even Christmas. I'm still time. waiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, shall we? Yeah. Cheers, number two. <laughs> there we are. It's good. So who's drunk the most? What? We've got the same on the podcast? No, on the podcast. On the podcast. <laughs> um, who's had the, the first one? Lewis and Russell. The we, brothers. The brothers. The, the first one. We yeah. went out and we just. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you pay? Fun. Can we go? Yeah. <laughs> the next one? Yeah. We're going to do a Christmas special, so... Oh, we'll put Eddie in as our chief drinker. Are <laughs> <laughs> you like the biggest drinker? No, I mean, I'm, I've followed uh, Adam's footsteps my whole career. Yeah. <laughs> we, went, we were at the same university, same job after university. I got in contact with him to move out here. So same job after that as well. Liverpool fans too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we even went to Madrid. I um, remember him. From yes. Boston. Yeah, 24, 24 hours, hours in Madrid. Madrid. Yeah. Flew that from so home Friday night, got into Madrid ten a, uh, like 10 a.m., um, did the fan zone all day, <laughs> watched, watched the match, stayed out until 3 or 4 in the morning celebrating with the, the fans and then hopped back on the plane. 
Wow. Fell asleep uh, in the kids' playground. <laughs> <laughs> just in the middle of a drill, I was just like... Slide. Yeah, yeah I was just like on the bottom of the slide. I was like, I'm so emotionally and physically knackered with a couple of beers. But um, yeah, I was just like, I am toast. And then Eddie like woke up wrapped around the seesaw, like just... <laughs> just so tired and then crawled to the Straight airport to and slept on the floor and flew back to here. The drinking cultures... Uh, I don't know what age you guys start drinking in the UK, but... It's well, Simon's from Northern Ireland, okay, so he's, yeah. he's the <laughs> chief. <laughs> I was 11 when I first got drunk. Oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty young. I'm probably 20 years old. <laughs> I remember, so, I, I saw, do you remember Torres' first goal for Liverpool when he played against oh, Chelsea? Yeah. yeah. I was on the train back with uh, my dad uh, from Liverpool to London and this guy, <laughs> I, think, I don't know how, I think it was a two hour journey and we were just chatting all about like Liverpool players, managers and like, just opening a one beer and like two beers, like he was like seven beers down. Are <laughs> you not wasted? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. Was he Scouser or was he? He was. I I don't think he was Scouse, but he he was a Liverpool fan. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, yeah, I've quit my job. I've, <laughs> I've left my girlfriend. I'm just traveling the world, watching Liverpool play. I was like, wow. She did a live podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a sport team. Uh-huh. That'd be, be good. Man, the internet's a great place. Just put it out there. Someone will find <laughs> We're it. For you. Someone will find it. Where is the random? <laughs> the random guy on the train that drank seven beers. <laughs> I actually got that Torres haircut. Did you? Yeah. I got the mullet. The long one with the yeah, blonde the hair. mullet at the back. I'll show you after as well. What? We can put it on the podcast. You want to come on. on. Okay. Did you? Yeah, I was going to Spain when I was seventeen. And he just <laughs> passed me. <laughs> that is and, uh, superb. Ah, uh, here we go. Yeah. So I went to Tony and Guy, which is a bit of a, <laughs> a pricey establishment. Stylish, um, <laughs> um, Showed him a picture of Torres and said, and so yeah, it was one of these, But it was, it was one of the youth people um, working at the time, trying to earn a few bucks. And she spent about 40 minutes just doing this fade and then mucked up and just got, got the shaver out and um, sheared me. But here you go. Oh my. <laughs> that? That's stunning. It looks good. You should wear it for Spartans. It's good, right? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to talk about Spartans. <laughs> Albion beat us. I know, Again? I was there. 3-0 in the final. Oh, uh, mate. Last year. Mauling. Another mauling. Outstanding performance. Mm. I mean, we had so many players, though, so it's... Yeah, you know, like, a massive squad. squad but yeah. you were brilliant, because if someone came off, someone, you know, you're so organised, and then the sub came on, fitted into the system, and yeah. we were like headless chickens. Mm. <laughs> it was I'm a good day out. <laughs> you go out afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you probably didn't. You probably did like a two-hour cool-down. Yeah. Everyone was drinking electrolytes and having some food. Following your yeah. Meanwhile, the Spartans are like, <laughs> town, town, town. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Um, I think we've covered everything pretty much, but I do want to cover one thing. So, from experience, um, what's the what's the toughest part of your job, and what's the most enjoyable part of your of your job, would you, would you say, in, in the summer, in a nutshell? You go first. Yeah, I think the most enjoyable, well, definitely the most enjoyable is um, seeing the reaction of someone who has gone from quite a low mood and an unhappy place with where they're in their life and working with them for a period of time, building that relationship, that rapport, and then achieving the goal that they never thought they would get. And just seeing yeah. that elation, that emotion, that's what I absolutely love. So if we yeah. work together for three or four months, six months, maybe sometimes a year, and then we achieve that, seeing their face, seeing how happy they are, seeing what a change in their life, mm-hmm. that I absolutely love that. 
especially like to steal yeah. Jurgen Klopp's like your clients who are doubters and turning them into believers yeah. and then they actually like live it do you know what yeah. I mean like Eddie says they're like oh I don't think physio is going to help like it's not helped me before and then you fix them and they run a 100k race or play football or whatever it is and then you're just like it's great it's really really rewarding yeah it is a rewarding job for sure <clears throat> yeah the hard bit is when they're uh, not ready to do what they need <coughs> to do to get better but that's you know you challenge. can help them yeah. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, I can definitely help you, but you're just not in the right headspace for me to help you. And I'm pretty sure you're never going to come back and see me again, even though I know I can help you. Yeah. It's frustrating. So yeah. hitting that link in the first session and getting an understanding, an equal understanding of the situation and both being bought into what needs to be done to get better. And mm -hmm. that You have to adapt to what the person in front of you and, and if they're really not ready for it, but they seem that they, they want it, but they're not ready for it actually trying to get them in a place where they understand the commitment, the expectation, uh, what they need to do, accept their situation, move forward to something that they want to get. That's, it's enjoyable when it's really hard, it's challenging, but when you get that, it's, that's another great moment, but that's probably one of the hard bits if they're not ready and they're coming back with the same things and you're giving them the answer to the question, they're not quite hearing it. Yeah. Um, you're hitting a bit of a block trying to delve in a bit deeper, find out how you can get through to them. Yeah, that's, that's it. I'd fun. say it's yeah. a challenge, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Yeah. you get people coming in and they've got like predisposed beliefs about their injury or pain or physio or exercise or movement potentially being like harmful or dangerous or whatever. And yeah, I would say definitely the most rewarding part of the job is whenever you can kind of convert someone like that to maybe a different way of thinking through challenging their mm. beliefs and then getting them out the other side better than they thought they would have but I think as Eddie's saying there like we do get a lot of people who are just so stuck in their ways yeah. or so got such strong beliefs that they're just not ready for it and, and we would never get those people better because they just don't trust or believe what we're doing so again, again going back to that psyche mm. you know if your belief is that ultrasound cures you then going to the gym and doing all the stuff we know from the science helps Achilles is not that helpful yeah. because you'll just be like why am I doing this it's not helping it's not helping it's not helping and you just kind of drill your mind to be like it's not helping and your brain is unbelievably powerful so <clears throat> yeah those challenging clients and the, the, the other thing that annoys me is <laughs> not that doesn't annoy me so much because that's kind of in a way not their fault it's like their environmental and all that is you spend ages getting the doubter to a believer and you start and you're doing really well and it's going really well and then they'll go and see a doctor it happens in the UK not in Hong Kong and the doctor's like oh you shouldn't play football anymore it's bad for your knee and they're like yeah. well actually even though I've progressed so much under you and I'm doing so well really? I'm not doing it anymore because the doctor said it's bad really? and you're like but I've just proven to you yeah, like for yeah. the last three months you're doing so well and they're like yeah but the doctor said it's bad yeah. and just that the ultimate power of a doctor really annoys me because I'm like, but I'm the one getting you better. <laughs> I'm the one helping you. I'm the one giving you your life back. I'm the one giving you quality of life. I'm the one making you do things you enjoy, giving you your football back. And now the doctor's just said, don't play football and you're just going to stop. Like, why are you quitting? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they're like, yeah, but the doctor said, and you're just a physio. And it's yeah. like, but oh, that drives me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, even, even from mental. From a non-physio standpoint, it, I mean, come from a PT background, it also, it, it, it frustrates me a lot because I want to recommend 
to them to people to to you yeah so i know you guys are the best and from experience i've improved and it's frustrating because they're stuck in their own ways and i know they can get better if they come to you guys yeah and it's like no they're gonna they're gonna pay a lot of money to see doctors get mris do this get on anti-inflammatories i'm like just try it try it for x amount of months and if it doesn't work it doesn't work but it's most, a very good chance it will, it will work. <laughs> exactly yeah exactly yeah so that's the thing and like um, only up until recently like up until I've been studying a little bit more with books and reading and education and Johnny my brother telling me a bit more like I'm a big proponent of physiotherapy yeah and it needs to be uh, in, in my industry in the PT world needs to be we need to read up upon it we need to be more educated on it and tell our clients a bit more because we're always going to be prone to injury and there's always going to be imbalance yeah uh, until the day like you die whatever it is it's just minimizing that imba imbalance and, and kind of making your life as good as it can get, whatever sport or normal life that you live. Definitely, so. and also traditionally a lot of trainers have been nervous about sending their clients to physios, because <laughs> again, 20 years ago, physios would be like, oh, it hurts when you shoulder press, stop shoulder stop pressing. Yeah, Why don't yeah. you stop going to your personal training? And the trainer's like, mate, you're killing me here. Yeah, like yeah. generally people who are trainers mm. earn more money the more they see clients. Yeah. And obviously they're invested in the client's goals. Clients have body comp goals or athletic goals or whatever. And then the physio is like, it's like with, it's like same with me with the doctors if they're like stop running and I'm like oh mm. same yeah. if they traditionally go to a physio and the physio is like stop PT like it's just not helpful. There yeah, we want to get them back to seeing you guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We we're always yeah, like yeah, yeah. keep seeing Sean. Sean, we're just going to tweak one or two things. We're still going to do pressing. We'll just go lighter yeah, or less perfect. range or less volume, but we're still going to press or we change the angle or whatever variables we play around with. But the conversation should be very open. I should never try and stop <laughs> someone training. The yeah, other yeah. health benefits of seeing you rather than just becoming stronger, you know, mental, cardiovascular, you know, all those benefits are still massively important. Yeah. So we should always be encouraging people to be active no matter what the issue is. Because mm -hmm. even if you're in a cast, you can do upper body, you can do some core, do you know what I mean? You yeah. can go, like, you can some, do stuff. Yeah. Pretty you can do stuff and it's still good for your mental health to feel like you're doing something rather than just being like, stop everything. When the cast is off, you can do a little bit of fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's not helpful yeah. for anyone. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, everyone's busy, so we don't have time to do extras. But when you have those big injuries, yeah. you suddenly get a, a big extra lump of time in your week. Yeah. So you can use that for something pretty amazing and work on other areas that you wouldn't have normally have time for and um, improve yourself in that way. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. Awesome. What's your experience of physio, Sean? Obviously biased because I'm looking at you. But, <laughs> but no, do you reckon having your journey, because um, it's a significant injury both from physical but also I always find that Achilles, shoulder dislocations, ACLs, those you know, big tip fib fractures, so big you know, leg breaks, things like that. The rehab journey length is so long it's basically impossible not to go through highs and lows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's practically a year. Yeah. So obviously you see us a lot and we do lots of things and we try lots of things and we succeed in lots and we fail in some. But like, I just wonder from your point of view, how did you find it? Did your opinion of physio and also like rehab change from pre to post-surgery? Uh, sorry, from like pre-injury to being discharged, so to speak? Yeah, it definitely did change for, uh, on a positive note. Because uh, I learned so much. I mean from the exercises to uh, what to eat, what not to do and to do. Um, I was like, oh, I'm learning. Like, it's almost like every time I came into a session with, 
with you, I was, I was trying to like, like I was like a sponge trying to pick up all these exercises and be like, okay, if I can write it down or remember it and I can use it on other clients if they have some yeah. sort of knee pain. I mean, I, can, I, I can't really screen because I'm not like um, educated as well as you guys, but it was really impressive. And like I started at the beginning, it was hard because you know, you, you're playing like every single week and then you're not playing anymore. But I, I enjoyed the process. I'm like, okay, this is interesting to me. Yeah. And like, um, I, can, I, I need to spread the word. Yeah. And like, I'll start posting stuff about this. And yeah. once you start posting it, people will, will be like this. And I got a lot of feedback from it. And people people are now coming to me. And I'm just posting just because I think it's interesting. And like, I, I had a short, I had AC joint injury too. This is what can happen. And I've had one guy recently come to me and I'm like, okay. Like here is a recommendation for physio. Yeah. So that that's what it is. And uh, to sum it up, really, I think like you guys are like kind of unsung heroes in a way. <laughs> Not to be so biased, but it, but it is what it is. I think I really believe in that. And I think the more you educate people, going back on that point, you can steer away from people making, I won't say bad decisions, but bigger decisions that could detriment their longevity and what they yeah. do. You know, like going into making decisions in surgery. I was also close to having surgery on my shoulder not too long yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Very close, but I didn't. And now I'm 90% to pressing. I can box. I can do a lot of things that I, I would laugh, but physio yeah. helped. So, yeah, yeah. And I'm not only one example. There must be, you have clients that yeah. probably have all the same experience. Yeah, we had a uh, guy in this week who had been told by two <clears throat> doctors to get a knee, knee replacement. And then... Um, we discussed with him the options and he was like, I don't want surgery. So like, yeah, let's go for it. And he's worked really hard mm-hmm. two months and now he's got no pain. Um, he had a, a consultant with a, a UK consultant online who said, let's just give physio a go. And now he's pain free and he's not going for the surgery. And he's hiking long distances and enjoying himself. So that is amazing that we can have that. It takes time. You have to understand it takes time and commit to that. Um, but yeah, but the other thing is like surgery is if you want surgery or you say you've been told you need surgery now there is no harm in trying not having surgery for three months because that surgery option is always there for you whether you want it in 20 years or three months it's always there for you therefore why not just try be diligent try if it doesn't work it doesn't work that's fine we can't fix everyone we we as physios know that but then at least you go into your surgery being like you know what i need this because i gave it a good shot with a physio i trust and i couldn't get there so i need the surgery happy days but if you go in and you're not convinced and you feel like you're being pushed in a bit again it affects your recovery a lot and then if you do need the surgery you've come out the other side with a the strongest most flexible most used body that you can beforehand so your rehab recovery is going to be yeah, better rather than doing nothing for two months it gets weak it gets tight you put on a bit of weight you lose your fitness you're in pain then you're you come out of surgery and you're in even more pain it gets even weaker in those two weeks after surgery and then you're it's really pain. difficult yeah so that rehab option is so so important yeah try it i would say yeah. for anyone who's got a niggle or even what they consider like a serious issue, unless you've been like hit by a car, fine. But like genuinely just try for a few months, a physio you trust, um, who you feel is reputable, um, and then just try it for three months. Be diligent, be honest with yourself, and then you can always reassess at the end of three months and be like, do you know what? I'm way better, but I'm not where I want to be, or just it's not worked, fine. Or for a lot of people, they'll come out and be like, I really, really don't need surgery. <laughs> yeah. like. 
I'm basically back to where I was. Surgery seems yeah. a silly option. So just try yeah. it. And it might be like, for example, you're like 90% better, but then you've made such a good improvement. Just keep going, keep going. Yeah. And then maybe in another three to six months, you'll be 100% better. Yeah. 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 Wouldn't put it out. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. doubt it, right? Yeah. So if you have surgery now, you're going to go from boxing to not allowed to box for six to eight weeks. Your shoulder's going to decondition because <laughs> you're not allowed to do anything. Or you're allowed to do basic stuff, but you need to be respectful for the sutures and the surgery and things. So you'll actually go from functional here to drop to then hopefully get back to 90% again. Mm. And whereas actually you're already there. Yes. Yeah, so just why? enjoy it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And you save 200 grand, so it's great. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people are going to have to do the physio post-op anyway. Okay, so you, might as you may well as well do, do the physio. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. You've got to do the physio post-op. You may as well do it pre-op and see if you avoid the op. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Join just get a physio you trust, and that's it. Join dynamics, guys. Yeah, exactly. You know where you go. Any place to come. <laughs> <laughs> for sure to see him, not me. <laughs> I think that's it, guys. Um, thanks for coming on. That was an awesome episode. Pleasure. Yeah, yeah it was good. It. Perfect. Really good. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Thank you, Sean. Cheers. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Thank you everyone. Thank you, boys. To your health. Mm. It's quite nice. Yeah, that's good. It's a classy tip.